The following live recording of Swami Vivekananda Saraswati is presented by agamayoga.com. Please. Um, is that, uh, yes. No. Um, you want me to give a, uh, information about what the Theosophy is and so on? Yes. The Theosophical House was one of the most miraculous creations of the 20th century and it is one of the few organizations which restored the spiritual status to a lot of spiritual information at some point they were about to become a light in the darkness, really. An amazing thing. The Theosophy appeared as a result of the decadence of many other religions, including Christianity in the West, which became a hypocrisy, which became just a social hypocrisy. And uh, it is the first time that the West turned towards the wisdom of the East, of India and Tibet and others. And uh, actually great truths have come through the agency of Theosophy to the Western world. For example, the information about chakras, yoga and so on, it mostly came first to the Theosophics. Theosophy started with an amazing woman, Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, a Russian-born woman, who was an amazing person endowed with some paranormal capacities since birth and with some uh, mediumic capacities, clairvoyant capacities, this woman was put in touch telepathically. She started her career at some point of being hypnotized by an Egyptian guy. She was a medium for hypnotic seances, sessions. And she reached some vision, for example, under hypnosis. She was going out of her body. And in the astral body, she went to a temple, which apparently was in Tibet, but it was a subtle temple. And there she found the famous book of Zion, stanzas of a book which does not exist anymore on earth and which were talking about an ancient culture and civilization on earth which came from Venus and a lot of funny other things and about the creation of the universe and a lot of things. She published as a result of these visions because every day she was going and bringing back one stanza. She could remember only one sentence so she was going hypnotized bringing back and writing one verse going next day, bringing the next verse, and this slowly, slowly, in a few months, she brought a whole book of stanzas, and uh, relying on those books, she even wrote a book, a two-volume, thick like this uh, book, which is called The Secret Science, The Secret Doctrine. The Secret Doctrine amazed the world, because Helena Petrovna Blavatsky didn't even have the high school. She was basically a bourgeois-educated little girl, who was taught into piano playing and needle embroidery and not more than this. And Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, in her, in her book The Secret Doctrine, she can follow ideas from science, which topmost science of her time, and she was quoting at the page and so on, scientific books of biology, physics, chemistry and so on, heavy duty. She follows 30 pages, a whole idea, she describes something about cosmogony and chemical elements and so on and she makes references and for 30 pages she keeps on non-stop and you need to have a huge intelligence even to follow her what, well, how her ideas go and meanwhile she all the time says as Michael Parsons said in his book about chemistry in the page 275 blah 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 and it's so many quotations from so many books that it's flabbergasting because that woman could have never had the time to read those books actually it's too many of them it's simply like this woman is an encyclopedia 
and it's completely amazing in mental power and basically the thing is that uh, being inspired like this the theosophic people went to India they took contact with the Buddhists from Sri Lanka, Thailand and so on with the Tibetan Buddhists and with the Indian gurus and yogis and they are the first ones who bring a lot of information and they started very 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 beautifully and the Indian yogis and the Himalayan yogis they had a lot of confidence in them and they gave them a lot of secret knowledge a lot of stuff was revealed through the Theosophics at that time but unfortunately uh, when Hanna Petrovna Blavatsky passed away because she also did a little bit of egoistic uh, trips and so on uh, it was taken the leadership of the Theosophic House fell on a French woman Annie Bezan and she uh, allied herself with the Englishman a very very ego egocentric Englishman called Charles W. Lidbitter and because these people Annie Bezant was a real clairvoyant but a very soft passive type of person and Charles Lidbitter was a very manipuristic egoistic type of person Lidbitter split it and they also did this trip with Krishnamurti these two Annie Bezant and, and Lidbitter they are the two who found Krishnamurti because they realized if we are going to ever make theosophy big we need an enlightened being to be because we are just advanced human beings but we are not enlightened if we would have one enlightened human being to support us to be the head of the theosophical movement so to say the spiritual inspiration then it would be much better and this would survive forever it would become the real thing so they searched for children who had signs of samadhi and eventually among a few children who were given to them in India they found Jiddu Krishnamurti who at the age of six at the age of six years old he was already having states of samadhi he was born with an incredible awareness and they took this boy Jiddu Krishnamurti and they grew him to be the following leader of the theosophical house what happened is that Lidbitter got bored of all this uh, you know the theosophical house was very often just old ladies coming to spiritist seances or endless talks and lectures and Lidbitter was much more active um, yeah, yeah, ambitious and he created his own branch and eventually he took a part of the theosophical movement and he actually moved into the Freemasonry which actually was something relying on politics and money and corruption exactly what we spoke uh, in this minute and basically Lidbitter crossed to the dark side so to say he betrayed and took a lot of theosophics and he turned them into Freemasonry so basically he did a big shit and when Jiddu Krishnamurti, the only hope of Anibezant was Krishnamurti and when Krishnamurti became 17 or 18 he also defected and he said I don't care about your organization it's a bunch of western intellectuals who don't do anything and Krishnamurti started his own trip and his own organization and so on so the theosophical house suddenly found itself very weak uh, Lidbitter had torn a part of it away Krishnamurti took some followers with him and he made something else and Theosophical House remained uh, weak and after the Theosophical House remained so weak there came others who took parts of it for example Rudolf Steiner he came and instead of Theosophy he made something which he called Anthroposophy and he made the Anthroposophic movement and all kind of things and he was a powerful kind of fellow but not, not very spiritual very egocentric as well and he split again the theosophical movement or what was left of it and he made the anthroposophical movement and even so it continued so today the theosophical movement of today which has the headquarters in Adyar in Madras in India is just a shadow of what the theosophical movement once was 
and it became very flat and very... They still keep publishing the old books of theosophy, and it's very good. So there was a point where the the theosophical movement was a big thing. It was simply the spiritual regeneration. Everybody looked up to the theosophical house like they were going to give a new wave of spirituality. From the theosophical house, there also appeared uh, somebody who started generating this new age, what we call today the new age, is a byproduct of the theosophy. Uh, An American woman called Alice Bailey, who was actually the wife of a big, big Freemason, again we turn back to Lidbitter and the Freemasonry, they also took their own personal trip, and this Alice Bailey wrote a whole bookshelf of books about her revelations from invisible masters, and she started preaching, a new age, the end of Christianity, the end of everything, the starting of something, and uh, unfortunately she herself was having a trip of her own. She and her husband were having, were serving some occult interests, and they are not clean people after all, and uh, they uh, actually created even more confusion. So the Theosophical Society has got eventually split in five or six different entities, There is still today uh, the original Theosophic Society, but it is very small and not very powerful. Remember, however, that the Theosophic people, they had, especially at the time of Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, they had a real contact with masters from Shambhala, with great yogis from Himalaya, with great authorities from Tibetan Buddhism and others, and they indeed had achieved wonderful revelation of spiritual information but in time they flopped it was a very short lived trip it lasted for 30 years or so and then they just failed today being a caricature of what it is so what do you make of the quote from Blavatsky that the Buddha succeeded in his earthly mission and Jesus failed in his earthly mission because you're always talking about Jesus I was telling you that Blavatsky herself had an amount of ego and in the end of her life she started telling stupid things like this and she made a trip of her own when she received the stanzas of Zion and the hypnosis she was forbidden to give all the stanzas of Zion to humanity because they said you have reached here it is your merit that you can see these things but other people do not have the right yet to see these things so she was allowed only to take two paragraphs from the stanzas of Zion and she commented them each one of them is a chapter in her secret doctrine So it's like a motto, and then she uses 30 pages to explain that stanza. But in the end of her life, she started getting a bit, you know, Lidbitter took the popularity away from her and so on. So she started feeling she was not having enough audience. And then she suddenly uh, decided that to give a new boost, because now she didn't have the kick, the inspiration, the electricity, she wanted to publish the stanzas of Zion, which some invisible masters told her not to. So she actually managed to publish a mini edition of it, which disappeared immediately. You cannot find it today. They say in the conspiracy theory, they say that there exists a copy in the Congress library in Washington, but we, we are actually not sure if it's the real copy because somebody else made a phony duplicate copy after it just to play games. So basically, Hanna Blavatsky published this, and as soon as she published this, and of course at the same time she was doing other funny things like you say, then uh, suddenly there appeared a big scandal, like she was having a lover, you know, she pretended she was a British, she was in this British uh, 
old lady circles practicing spiritism and Buddhist meditation and suddenly she was accused that she had an affair with a guy who was 25 years old while she was 60 or whatever and of course that created a very Svadistanistic scandal and suddenly she was completely dropped by everybody she died in poverty in complete oblivion uh, everybody considering it that she was a miserable creature and so on after she was shining like a star for some years uh, maybe before. she told some dangerous truths and she suffered a spiritual also death. that also that but she had still an ego she was not a very enlightened being in this way and because of her ego sometimes she simply tried to show off you know to say oh but I'm still powerful I'm still clever I can still show you a thing or two you know and then she started overdoing it the same thing did Rudolf Steiner he also has some claims about some spiritual beings which are completely absurd which make him ridiculous actually so it's true that uh, Hanna Blavatsky she was a genius but she was not perfect she was having some shortcomings as well and the stanzas of Zion still cannot be found they are considered by parapsychologists to be one of the damned books one of the books which everybody who gets to it gets in trouble if they don't deserve it so basically you cannot publish it it's still secret please not here I, I can hold a separate lecture about Shambhala because that's a very very big issue Shambhala just for every one of you not to get frustrated by my flat denial is supposed to be according to the yogis according to the theosophists according to the Buddhists especially the Tibetan Buddhists are connected with it the place where many many enlightened beings when they finish their mission on earth like Buddha they go in that level and they stay there and from there they help humanity sometimes they reincarnate back on earth with a mission sometimes they just telepathically inspire people so Shambhala is a kind of ministry of enlightened beings of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas it's a kind of cartel of holy people Indian yogis, Christian saints, Buddhist enlightened beings and so on all together supervising everything which is happening spiritually on this planet helping and guiding so it's a kind of a spiritual entity, a spiritual institution but there are so many things about it and so much disinformation also that it needs a whole lecture usually I'm keeping such lectures for the people who get in the second month and further I'm keeping sometimes some evening speeches but in the first month course I'm having some pre-established lectures and I don't have time to insert another one about Shambhala if you want to know those of you who are in second month and up ask me in one evening I'm sitting up with you at late hours and I can keep that speech explain to you what it is when you say Shangri-La Shangri is a literary image of Milton about Shambhala Shambhala um, he took the myth of Shambhala and turned it into an adventure story with an American guy or British who shipwrecks with an airplane in the Himalaya and he finds a valley in between the mountains where everybody is immortal and everybody is peaceful and spiritual and wonderful. That being actually a copy of the myth of Shambhala, that Shambhala is a place or an entity where everybody has reached enlightenment and everybody is compassionate and thinks only about the earth uh, Shangri-La is a literary image is not uh, the real Shambhala but the guy who wrote it got inspired by the myth of Shambhala This was a live recording of Swami Vivekananda Saraswati For more information visit us on agamayoga.com 
or go directly to agamayoga.com slash downloads.